Hello and welcome to Steve Automotive's Cars of the Decade. We're into the 1940s. The world has been war destroyed by war and that sort of thing. But luckily, the car survived. I'm Sean Smith and I'm joined by James Montgomery. Hello. Christopher Strickland. Good morning. Sam Green. Good morning. And the ghost of Alistair Walker. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween. It's nearly Halloween. It's our Halloween edition. It's our Halloween edition. Yes. Exactly. Uh, our Halloween what, edition. Yeah. We're saying the ghost because Al was like nearly dead from like not the virus but a different one, uh, and also he's not awake, so he might rise from the dead at some point to join us. But that's his problem. Um, anyway, chaps, we're going to be doing nice. <laughs> 1940s race cars. Um, because uh, the 50s haven't happened yet. Formula 1 still doesn't exist as uh, an official licensed yeah, that, that rule one. set. Um, so luckily... And all the cars were turned into aeroplanes, so you know. Exactly. Go with it as you want. So um, once again, the Italians are going to win this one. Uh, chaps, who would like to start with 1940s race cars? No one. Uh, uh, I'll start then. Okay. I'll, I'll go on then. Samantha Green, what is your choice? What is your your shock choice right, cool. for the right. 1940s race cars? Or probably the last time I can pick one, so I'm making the most of it. A Fraser Nash. All right, my I've God. Chosen, uh, I know uh, it's the Le Mans replica. So as we said on the 30s, one what what Fraser Nash used to do is basically make a racing car for the works team, and then make what they would call a replica which is road legal or for customers to race as well mm. um, now the actual Fraser Nash Le Mans was not bad it did quite well um, but it wasn't quite as good as or quite as extensively raced as um, as the replica which is why I've chosen the replica that's a bit of an odd thing I didn't realise you could choose a replica of a car in the 40s yeah, I mean, replicas is tend such to be like a British thing to do. <laughs> that is just such a British thing to do. Here's the original. The original is okay, but we prefer the replica instead. So we're going to go for the replica, and make that one more successful because it's the Fraser Nash, <laughs> but it's not really the Fraser Nash. Well, no, because most of the running gear and all of that sort of stuff that's underneath this is a BMW 328. <laughs> there you um, go. Do you mean the car? Essentially, rebodies. Yes. Mm. Um, so it's that that stands it in good stead, I think. <laughs> doesn't it? This sort of um, shows um, how uh, a slight conflict in Europe and also not Europe might have stunted car development a little bit. But, yes, uh, <laughs> um, globally. Yeah. Um, well, not America. But they started. They started. Why? Why didn't British actually. people want German cars in the forties? What was going I on back then? I can't, I can't think, think why. why. I just. I don't know. There was a nasty no. Austrian I heard. It was saying bad and, things about. Sorry, Chris. Was, um, you're not. You're northern. Was that a, a Nazi Austrian? I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said a nasty Austrian. Uh, there was a nasty man from Austria, who was saying bad things about everybody, and uh, wanted to oh. tell them off in his own uh, special way. <laughs> and it all went very bad. And so everyone decided to um, boycott Germany. Is that it? 
That was yeah, more or less. Yeah, I pretty think. much. Be, yeah. Wow. Um, it's it's a shame that the Brits also so, decided to boycott Jersey at the same time because the Germans took us over. But you know, it's not like I'm holding any grudges from seventy years ago. Monty, if you start playing, um, <laughs> right. you won't. What was it? Uh, Flight of the Valkyries. For that reference, please watch. We will us. get copy strike right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is not being played, don't worry. Not not what, Sam, what engine have we got in our deliciously not BMW? Well, there's a few engines, to be fair. Um, there's either the BMW engine, which really? was by far and away the, more, <laughs> the most popular, but there was also um, the Bristol <laughs> engine, uh, the Bristol engine, which was um, more or less the same, just made in the UK. Um, Is it made in Bristol? And the, uh, I think it may have been. Yes. Oh, um, Al might be. Um, I think Alistair. He might be waking up. Anyway, um, it's it's a semi-open wheeler is what its official classification was. So if you took the mudguards off, it would be a one-and-a-half-seater. Ah. But if you put the mudguards and headlights on it, it counts as a sports car. So that's why the race... How can it, it be a one-and-a-half-seater? Because it's very How small. How is that possible? Was no, 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 small. but like the definition of one-and-a-half, do you have to cut the, half, the person in half, or is it for children? <laughs> can you take your child... When you're doing the 24 hours and you have to look after the kids, do you take them with you? I think is that, that must what be what it is. is. No, it, it, that was a technical term from the period. So things like um, uh, the Bugatti Type 25 as well, or 35, sorry. Um, again, it was a one and a half seater because it was a very, very small cockpit. So if you're a race, it was technically mm. eligible for single seaters, but also you could put yep. headlights and mudguards on it and take it sports car racing. Speaking of um, headlights. That's quite clever, that. It's uh, a good idea, isn't it? Speaking of headlights, yeah, um, it does look a little Probably. bit like Brum. It does. Yeah, I can see what you mean. Enough. Not enough. It's not, not quite yellow. enough. No, no. We, we had this discussion before. The Austin 7, yeah. I thought, was the one which looked more like Brum. That's because it was yes, Brum. It was, yeah. Isn't it based off Brum? Oh, sorry, isn't Brum based, based off, off Brum? Brum. <laughs> yes, it's Austin, like we have got... A winner here, boys. <laughs> 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 a children's TV the Fraser Nash the replica is the, fra the Fraser Nash replica is known as the replica because it looks like Brum. Yes, they are. Yeah. Folks, you've heard it first on here. Um, the secret's out. But no, I just think it's, it was what? quite a for, for Fraser Nash. This was a big step forwards because it didn't use chains. It had proper like drive shafts and prop shafts and. It was much more uh, like a, a modern car. It was still drum brakes, but that, all the cars were, yeah. sort of thing. Uh, that is modern for the time. Well, yeah, absolutely. But um, it was also, it had proper um, suspension. It wasn't just some leaf springs. It was actual proper <laughs> some springs. leaf springs. And, and stuff crazy. like that to, to help it out. Um, and it was very, very drivable. So a lot of sort Being of amateur racers could, no, but you know what I mean. As a racing <laughs> car, you could really throw it about, and it would just sort of do what it wanted, what you wanted it to do. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was raced quite extensively. Still, is they are raced quite extensively in uh, historics now, obviously. So but Goodwood, uh, yeah, Goodwood, um, HSCC, VSCC, Masters. Even there's a few of them that do the Masters sports cars. Nice. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it's just cool. I think a cool car. I, it looks like a car of its period, but it's a good um, basis, I think. And it was. I, I'm not going to lie. Most of the reason I picked it was to get another Fraser Nash on there. Yeah, what? Just to boost their stats um, up? Yeah. Well, raise well, the awareness. If, if, if you want some good news, they carried on producing it until 1953, they, so you can talk about did. it again no, in the say, next series if you want. And I might do that. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might just do that, Monty. No, 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 I, I think you <laughs> can get away with it, because in the 50s it was defined as a two-seater car. So that's in itself. So, so, so a road fast. car. Or I could pick it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one and a half seats, really. What kind of moron thinks about well, them? Well, then again, this was back in the era when uh, a pound was 240 pence and the imperial system <laughs> well, was a thing. It's to take your so. kids 24 hour racing, Monty. It's to ah. take your kids 24 hour racing. Yeah, so you, drop your kids off, you drop your kids off at the side, then you go and race the thing because, you know, it's a replica racing car based off Bram. Then once you've won your Le Mans 24 hours, <laughs> you, you go and pick up your kids again, and it's like, right, okay. Let's go through, let's uh, drive back to the UK, but we can't take the Channel Tunnel because that's not been invented for another 50 years yet. So um, <laughs> we're going to have to go and find some other way to get back uh, to Britain, but we can't go back to Britain because there's actually a war going on just now. Stop saying so um, let's all go down to Portugal instead. <laughs> um, and that's how James became Jaime. Sorry, continue, <laughs> <Here you> guys. <laughs> I had a really good point there, but you uh, completely destroyed my trailer thought. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, oh, that's a shame. That's right, yeah. So wasn't oh, you're the... trying to say this is a topical subject. Uh, only like, only like uh, 60 years later, wasn't the Toyota IQ a three and a half seater? Gentlemen, gentlemen, I'm so sorry for disturbing. I've just realised the ghost of Alistair has appeared on the... No. Has it really? Yes. I'm, I'm seeing it right here. The face is staring at me right now. It's not, been haunted. it's not speaking. It's not speaking. It's our energy. Whoa. 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 Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <whoa. laughs> anyway. Please speak. Yeah, um, oh, the, 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 the production. I'm just still trying to press on here. You've got one minute. The production. On. The, uh, <laughs> I think it's hands over, isn't it? Production for the Le Mans. And admittedly, this, this did sort of stretch into the 50s a little bit, but in, between 48 and 53, and they made a grand total of 34. That's a big number for the cars we picked. So That's quite a lot for, yeah, considering like like what uh, some of the ones they've made and uh, and some of the cars that mostly Chris has, has chosen <laughs> with his uh, Toyota. For example, hey, the road hey, car. Mitsubishi, mate. That Mitsubishi was just like, you know, it's well class. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it might have been burst off an Austin, but it's well class. <laughs> I think it was an Austin. It's an Austin. Everything Austin was, though, let's face it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, good job, Sam. I, I like that. But, um, <laughs> good <you>. job. <laughs> yeah. A fine effort, young man. <laughs> and you've even cho chosen it in the, in the green, which your new BMW is. Yes. Yes, my new car. Don't forget to say thank you to a Mini for supplying your new car, and you might get sponsors. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, go. we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> the Mini, the twenty twenty seventy plate Mini Cooper S is a fantastic car. I thoroughly recommend it, especially when it's in British racing green. Yeah, British racing green, white stripes, white roof. Fantastic oh my car. God, Best you are spec such out a there. You so if, if, if the only one, those, would you? 
Oh, <gasps> the ghost of Al spoke. The ghost of Al spoke. Oh, we've raised the yeah, dead. Yeah, the ghost of Alistair did not have his microphone set correctly. <laughs> uh, excellent. Or his alarm clock, if well, he's making his first uh, comments 28 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> it's not that long. Um, don't worry, Al, you've only missed one, one car, so yeah. worry about Fra- it. and Ash, basically BMW, it is it's also green. The best one, though. Yeah, so best... you have missed the best car, so it's all downhill from here. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Now, no, nothing Mark, can Mark. ever beat a replica of Brum. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's carry on because some people need to be leaving half an hour. Right, my turn. I've, I've, um, oh God. I've, I've, uh, I've actually gone. So, through. what it's Italian car, car have you got for this you time? Great question, Monty. I'm glad you asked. My Italian car of, of uh, the 1940s is the Ferrari 152, rather, S for sure. Yes. Is the S stand for speedster? No, it's the for sport. But in Italian, so it's El Sporto. No, sorry, so I didn't quite no, catch no, that. I don't think. I think that's Spanish. Oh, I, I can't do Italian then. El Sportio. There we go. El Sportio. No. I, 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 I like this choice. The first ever Ferrari. That's a very good one to go yes, for. Yes, I know. I remembered it yesterday. Did you? Yeah. Was it actually the first ever Ferrari? Yeah, it was. The first vehicle. Wow. So is it yeah. like a Ferrari engine, or is it half Alfa? No, no, this is Columba V12. Don't ruin, don't ruin my this favorite fact. This is the first genuine Ferrari. The engine, the Columba V12. Yep. What's a one point five liter V12. Mm-hmm. Wow. Imagine how much tiny, it tiny it cylinders. Yeah, it's, it's Italian, so it'll be screaming its head off. Yeah. Oh, there's my alarm. Watch. That's my alarm. To wake, to wake up with, uh... Super professional. Yep. Nicely this is the done, most Sean. professional podcast <laughs> in the world. <laughs> you know, BBC has absolutely nothing on this. I know. <laughs> their, their stuff's really boring. They're not talking about... Egg timers to let you know it's your turn to literally, shut up. Literally egg timer. <laughs> right. Alarm now. clock's going off half an hour into the podcast. Back, so, back, back to Ferrari. We're going to have seagulls. First of all, I'm just going to say it. This car is really ugly. It is. I was going to say that. I mean, its its historical value is there, but I don't like it. No, but not a pretty car. But I'm also going to get get my points back by saying that only two were produced. So which means which means I might win this this month. That that's too too many, Sean. That's too too many. (laughs) Yes, but I I mean, apart from having a really cool engine called a Colombo, and just one more thing, um, it's uh. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's, I don't watch too much no time TV. It's uh, 650 kilos. Jesus Christ, what's it made of? Cardboard. Well, it's Italian, so yeah, rusted cardboard. Hopes and dreams. That is the dry one. Yeah, hopes and dreams. So if you that is it, sorry, it's a, it's a, what? cardboard more heavy. <laughs> so it's what, it, so. Yeah. So it's about 750 <laughs> kilos wet then. What you mean when it Maybe, fills yeah. with water? <clears throat> That's the balance, isn't it? Yeah. When. Water cool break. So it's a 750, yeah. one and a half litre V12 with. What was no, that? Probably. No. I have no idea. No. What water cool no. breaks was a. Oh, we've already sworn that's fine. Water cool breaks is a bullshit te- technology brought in in the 1980s so F1 cars could run underweight. Oh. That's, that, I was getting really excited that there's an interesting fact about this car. <laughs> um... <laughs> it, had, it had a double choke Weber carburetor. That's quite exciting. And a yes. live rear axle. So that was fun. <laughs> it was lime. 
really be moving much, could, would it? Could anyone else hear hear the sort of like depression in Sam's voice there? So that was fun. <laughs> 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 Do you reckon the reason only probably two... would have been quite. Is this Itali- I mean, Italian fair, numbers? So, like, actually, in real life, about fifteen were produced, but thirteen of them killed their drivers. So they just said it was two. <laughs> no, um, no, what it actually is is they made one, but they wanted to make it sound more impressive. We definitely made two. There's a hundred percent. That's why it's a GT one about forty, sixty years later, rather. Yeah. Anyway, let's do some let's do some facts because facts are good. Um, <clears throat> Ferrari. Existed, which is great. They previously didn't, obviously, as Al will attest. They were basically Alfa Romeo before then. How times change. Um, it was a. This is a cool fact. So the 125S debuted at the Sacchito di Placenta. It's not called that, but it's, it's Italian, so it looks like that. Uh, driven by Franco Cortese, but was unable to finish the race despite a fit. Fe- Despite a favourable showing against the strong Maserati 6CS 1500S. I wonder if that might turn up later. Um, two weeks later, this is all from Wikipedia by the way. Uh, two weeks later, the 125S claimed Ferrari's first victory at the Grand Prix of Aerom, or Roma. Uh, on the... Oh my god. Uh, on the Terme de Caracalia circuit. Uh, where it was also driven by Cortese. I wonder if this Cortese looks related to Sandro Cortese. That's a, that's a fact for another day. Uh, Sandro Cortese. No. <coughs> this is wonderfully well researched. Thank you. Uh, it was also red. <laughs> As Al will say, it's yeah. not yep. Ferrari's well, red. Is it? Is it? I'll say. Is it though? Is it a burgundy? Yes. It's Alphas. <laughs> or is it red? Well, that burgundy is actually Rosso Monza. Well, <laughs> an early version, I think, of. Hmm. You, you you mean this is the burgundy which we saw the Ferrari F1 cars in for uh, Mugello? Yeah, mm. it's Rosso Monza, and I don't argue it's Alfa Romeo's colour, not Ferrari's. It is. Yeah, that's fair right. enough. They have yeah, that. The but, I mean, that's all Ferrari did to begin with. The first couple of cars were to stick a middle finger up to Alfa Romeo because Enzo Ferrari was so upset with Alfa Romeo at the time. So, yeah. He seemed to forgive them later in life, didn't they? Well, once he started beating them, yeah, uh, Ferrari's normally qu- was quite a forgiving man when uh, he was on top of the mountain shitting on everyone below him. Yeah, but he's Italian. Now imagine if he did that to somebody else, and that somebody else then went on to make a successful Italian motor company. I wonder who. I wonder if he'd ever do that. No, I know, I know. Anyway, the one two five S. Especially apart from being ugly, apart from being ugly and having yep. a V twelve one point five liter, which is mad. Um, the one two five S won six of its 14 races in 1947 so that was, that good. was that's pretty good pretty good hit right uh but it was unable to win the mini media so oh, basically worthless because it couldn't survive long enough basically utterly disappointing um so what my car of the decade is an absolute failure but the reason it's my car of the decade of course is because it is the first ferrari and great things went on from it so well done. Uh, you're going down the the Chris school of thought. <coughs> exactly. Think go. about all the things that this spawned. Exactly. Which you seem to say exactly. in every single Toyota. podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you said this in every podcast in this series. <laughs> Think yeah, about what this, this one Japanese, Japanese car. car. No one's. Going... The the problem <laughs> here, guys, is the importance of these cars. I. I... 
I mean, in Chris's case, when he uses them as examples, fair enough. There is influence to it. It's a bit mm. of a default when we're talking about the first ever car of a manufacturer. It's by default that any car which is a follow-up is going to be an evolution or a follow-up to the first car. That That's just how life works. Well, it doesn't that's how it works. That's just how it works. So I, I think that point is invalidated. You can't say the first ever Ferrari Ooh. followed up the second Ferrari and the third Ferrari. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, no, 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 no. A, fun, a fun fact for you, a fun fact for you, because I did. I was just doing a bit of reading up here on your Colombo engine. Uh, your Colombo engine. Uh, Giacchino uh, Colombo. Apologies, Italians, if I've now pronounced that that's really okay. bad. I, I know I'm works, quite right? anglified. I, yeah, I, I think He's, we're beyond that now. That's fair. <laughs> right? This, this one and a half litre V12 engine was used for 40 years in various different production vehicles that they had used, and in its biggest, um, I've just seen this. the power. So in so, some 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 versions of it, they've either supercharged it, they've turbocharged it, or they've just bored it out. In the largest boring out that they had ever done on the Colombo engine, they had bored a one and a half liter V twelve up to four point eight liters. Wow! I got four point nine here. Okay, four point nine then, even better. How what? the hell do you bore out a one and a half liter to <laughs> 4.9 litres. Was it just How the big was the engine block to begin with? Well, more than that. <laughs> more than that. How big were the gaps between each cylinder? If you're able to bore it <laughs> yeah, out that much. <laughs> did they just... like? Did they have it like a, a, a cross? Was it like a cross? They had like literally just four holes going through the whole engine. But no. Anyway, on this Ferrari, <coughs> uh, which, is, which is definitely my mm. car of the decade, um, is uh, 118 horsepower, which is absolutely abysmal. <laughs> For, for a race, I don't car. know. For that day and age, it's not that bad. For a race car, mate, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. But think about it this oh, way: back out, back out. One hundred seventeen horsepower out of a one and a half liter engine, V twelve, in the nineteen forties. That's pretty damn good, actually. Given that a modern day Ford Fiesta does what? Powerful. It's a one point two and only does seventy horsepower. Do you know, <clears> the best thing I find about these things is like when this was at the era where they were starting to thinking about um, like induction charging the engines so you've got turbochargers and superchargers all being thrown at these things Mm. this thing had a dual stage supercharger which produced 276 horsepower yeah what were they doing when they were testing it they must have been blowing up engines (laughs) left right and center exactly i'd say to be fair though when you're building the engine it doesn't matter too much does it well in in classic it doesn't but still in classic enzo ferrari style because a lot of these engines were detonating uh, he actually recruited Aurelio Lampredi uh, about the late 40s, early 50s. Who so is a fantastic F1. He was because he was the one that uh, basically engineered a bored out version of uh, the Colombo V12 but without the superchargers. And I believe that was the engine that was put in the 1951 I fixed my F1 time. car which uh, won them the title because it could last the race. It's a kind of classic uh, Enzo Ferrari trait, isn't it? Well, if we can't do better, I'm just going to get two people to go against each other and see who comes out with the best thing for my car. Well, that's what um, Pininfarina and Petoni did, I think. Sorry, do, 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 do you get the feeling I'm not a big uh, Enzo Ferrari fan? I do apologise, any nah. Ferrari fans. Mate, just because you don't look good oh, It was never going that film. Anyway, <laughs> so that's... Uh, so, yeah, but all, all I'm saying is that this, li- this little Italian firm... They got some better looking cars eventually, so that's all good. Uh, let's go to the far greater Italian company. Um, <clears throat> oh, but which one? There's two. Uh, oh, damn it. 
Uh, let's go to Chris. Hi, Chris. Hello. So what My Japanese car of the decade is actually you got for us? It's not Japanese. Now, you see, I was going to choose a Japanese car. It's not Japanese, but predominantly because they were having a bit of trouble with the Americans. So, you know, that, I don't think race cars were high on their priority at the time. Um, so yeah. I haven't gone for a Japanese car. But that will return in the next decade. I promise you that. <laughs> um, because, you know, this the, the world does not revolve around the Europeans as much as we'd like to admit. Well, uh, no, my car of the day, or race car of the decade, is the Alfa Romeo 6C. 2500 competition good um they do have a coupe version and it is i'd like to say drop dead gorgeous i think it's beautiful i think it's genuinely one of the most beautiful race cars from the 40s that you could have Salini have one of those what? say again uh probably um an oh, alpha 6c yeah, no i think because no, i think he's won the targa florio Yes. Well, this is the thing: is the Alpha Six C had about twenty different variations, um, with varying <laughs> different engine modifications. And the Competizione two thousand five hundred, however you want to call it, was the last of iteration of that that train of of six Cs. Um, and I just think it's, especially in its coupe form. You think that's good looking? Uh, and being hand built by. I think, yeah, I genuinely think it's good looking. Okay. I'll put a link in the, I mean, in the document. I mean, the six C's are... I just looked. So this looks really nice, and I'm seeing a picture of it here with the number 648 painted beside it. Yeah, Honestly, this kind of reminds me of some weird reason of the Mercedes going 10 years later. Yeah. It's got that same kind of stance to it, but cooler and more Italian and more I'm ready to die in vain to try and win in this car. I'm really willing to do that. And I don't no, know why. I, 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 think, I, I think it's have that with many cars. My favourite part about this car is the fact that, that it, it looks really aerodynamic apart from the windscreen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like vertical. <clears throat> There's nowhere to go around it. That's downforce. Um, but now apparently it was one of the, it was one of the first... Oh, there was the coupe version was one of just three built by Roma, Alfa Romeo Corsa. And was the first post-war <clears throat> competition model, uh, following four years of hugely successful racing, was mothballed and left untouched. Nice. Apparently, that specific models, right. which I think is, you know, it's a bit sad, but you know, sometimes for these cars to survive to our day and age, they have to be kept in a shed for decades on end. Is that is that what well, Alzheimer's is going for? Yeah, Alzheimer's is going to become a historical day, uh, historical time. <laughs> Silent, um, but no, it work. <laughs> eventually, but it had a two. Eventually, it had a two and a half liter inline six that produced 145 brake horsepower Four. from naturally and aspirated there's a, engine. There's a point. It had a triple carburetor and could do 124 miles an hour. Sam, how far? Wow. How much power does your um, BMW have? Oh, only what well, my one or the one I chose for this the one podcast. you chose. Okay, um, I think it was something around... Was it less? That it was probably less than that, right, yeah. Right, so we have a new record. Good job, Chris. What, less brake horsepower? Eh? What are you on about? No, no, you, no. You've had the most power. You're the highest. Yeah, you've no, you've got the most. The most. Oh, but... oh, sorry. I wasn't listening. No, you weren't. Carry on. No, I wasn't. No. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh dear. Um, but yeah, no, it won. It came second in the 1949 Tiger Floria, and it came 
third overall in the 1949 Mila Melia, which I think... So it's a loser. It's a bloody good effort. I mean, it might not have... Yeah, it might not have won. <laughs> I think in one of the... It probably got beaten by BMW. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I think it's stunning. I think it's a gorgeous car, and it deserves some form of recognition. Definitely. Yeah, no, I fully agree with that one. It does look nice. It looks like a race car. It looks like something you'd want to drive in. Heck, if Mussolini wants to drive around in it, then uh, it's got the Italian pride in it as well. Yeah, I think his was an earlier version of the 6C. I mean, he's also dead by this point. Well, ooh, <laughs> nothing wrong with having dead people in cars. That's how funeral companies make a living. Good, good point. I'll it also it. makes it more expensive because the dead person was famous. Ah, yes, yes. Though then again, Hitler used to sit in Volkswagen cars, and that didn't really do their reputation much good, did it? <laughs> ah, but they're still around now, even though it was one of the most hated men in the world. Anyway, mm -hmm. so this car is worth an yes. absolute fortune, yeah. by the way. I don't know if you, you said that. Chris. Is it? How much is it worth? Because I didn't like that. Well, on this, twelve pounds. Uh, no, on bon Bonhams, which I assume is some sort of like car auction place. Uh, 1948, yeah, Alfa Romeo yeah. 60, 2500 Competizione, uh, sold for US dollars 3.2, no, sorry, 3.525 million pounds. Oh Not bad. God. Not bad. 2.7 million. Two things I'd like to point out there. Two yeah, things I'd like to point out there. Did I just, did I just say US dollar 3.525 million pounds? That's ridiculous. Right. 3.5 million dollars. is amazing. 2.7 million. That is amazing. That is amazing. However, I would like to point out that is most likely a one-off example rather than the norm because Bonhams is, um, well, that's your kind of luxury auction house in the middle of London uh, where they sell the Ming vases and stuff like that. This is going to sound very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, obnoxious of me, but, uh, but uh, a lot of historical Jersey-based artifacts which millionaires have collected over the years goes and use Bonhams to auction them off so some other millionaire around the world can uh, enjoy this useless vase or painting or That's art, mate. stuffed pet as much as they have for the last 30 years. You to would not fair, go to Bonhams three. to buy an Alfa Romeo because that Alfa Romeo to fair, was is not there three. to be driven. There was an E3. There was an E3? There, there was only three. Uh, you know, it, there, there was only three because they were specially made by, I think it was, I think this particular, the one that Sean's referring to, which lost Literally um <laughs> yeah no no I've, 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 I've got it i've got okay. it i'm just trying to find the name of the bloke who um designed it mr italian, it's, italian it's, one what did wikipedia say mr italian that sounds like a good name i'm guessing you're looking for one of the coach builders of the time are you i am break? i know berlin i know berlinetti <laughs> built one of them but the one that sean's on about i think was a different build it oh. could have been by berlinetti anyway it was Berlinetti, I think. Berlinetti. Anyway, doesn't matter. But yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I this is you know I put this up as my car of the decade. I think it's beautiful, and I reckon it's a right laugh to drive. You know, because you can the the best thing the one I find is the best thing about this era of, of race cars is it's just a car. That's all it is. It's just a car. You can you can have your wife sat next to you if you really wanted to. I don't. You know, don't and she's going to be in to. comfort. She'll have air conditioning. I well, you don't want think to, they had no, air conditioning. No, not have air conditioning. You could it open is. the window slightly. Exactly. You can open the window. That's air conditioning, mate. So, unlike most race cars, you can actually open the window. 
Exactly, air conditioning back in the 40s. What else are you going to call it? A convertible. Oh, the window. Yeah, you see. Oh, we... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but they're Italian, mate. It needs to be more exciting. Everything's more, more exciting exactly, than Italian. Yeah. Um, I... Maserati exactly. literally make their, no. their whole lineup based on things being more yeah. exciting than Italian. Yes. And, uh, but no, I just think the these types of cars are mad because it is just literally a car that somebody's gone. Oh, we'll just turn it into a race mm -hmm. car, and they took the they took the license plates off and went in racing. And I think that's just mad. That's how you do it. That's racing. Exactly. Yeah, that is how you do it. Now, speaking of Maserati, I think that uh, the next choice is actually the best. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna no, you don't. Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know. He's just being biased because he likes it's Italian like cars. Montesaurus, what is your... Uh, Hello. Your, what's your choice of the 40s? Well, you haven't decided. Well, You've got three cars. Yeah, I I haven't decided. This is for, I've, I've, I've narrowed it down to one manufacturer. Yep. And uh, even though I've been bashing everyone else for choosing Italian, I have chosen Maserati, so it's a bit <laughs> hypocritical of me uh, to be bashing you guys for the it. Most but, Italian but, company. but... The most Italian company of them all. And I can't narrow it down to one specific car because actually when I think of the 1940s, for some reason I always think of Maserati in various different instances. Um, this all stems with their 4CL model. Um, now I'm doing a bit of a Chris here because technically it was designed and it was built in 1938 and 1939, but it was intended to have been raced from 1940 onwards once the Grand Prix regulations had been banned. Uh, this car, all the auto unions, all the Mercedes, they were getting too heavy, too quick, too powerful, too dangerous. So the idea was that come 1940, um, the superchargers were going to be gone, engine sizes were going to be down, and so you're going to have one and a half litre uh, new Grand Prix cars taking over. So whilst the cars were introduced in 1939 for racing and were absolutely trounced by anything, uh, that's hardly surprising when you're going up against, what, four-litre supercharged cars and you have a one-and-a-half-litre normally aspirated car. The intention of it was to do testing so it was ready for the new regulations in 1940. Unfortunately, World War II broke out and a lot of these cars had to go into hiding because otherwise they would have been turned into Fiat 2000s and Progettos. <laughs> uh, that's Italian That's uh, Italian tanks for anyone that uh, doesn't know their World War II history. Uh, so uh, once uh, World War II had finished, they were all brought out of their sheds again. And because almost everything else was turned into scrap Oops. metal, which was now in the middle of Belgium... Oh, crap, that was no, a no, quick no, 15 that's, minutes. That's, that's, so from that's from Chris. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's all right then. That's all right then. Beautiful. Um, yeah, so as most cars uh, or metal was found in fields in the middle of Belgium at uh, the time of 1946... <laughs> People dug out Maserati 4CLs and they were there ready to go racing again. Is it? Hang on. Uh, just, and they just, just become. Question. Quick question. Is that the reason that the uh, Italians had their metal crisis in the 70s? Because they were still doing that practice <laughs> of finding metal in fields <laughs> in Belgium. I'm sure that may have something to do with it because they're still finding um, shrapnel in Belgium. And uh, if you were watching the news last week, also in the rivers in Poland, apparently. That's, nice. Um, Nice metallic bombs which haven't been detonated for 80 years, and um, boom, off they go. Anyway, back to the point. So Maseratis were available for people to literally go picking up and start racing again. And the 4CL was kind of the basis for a load of variant 
of racing cars around the world for the next 10 years, going right into the middle of the 1950s. The 4CL itself in its original guise, um, in its classes before World War II began, it was actually winning some of them. Tatio Nuvolari uh, was very handy in these cars and did a good job in winning them in uh, the last Grand Prix, which were trialling out these new one and a half litre cars. So was that the, the Voiturettes? Class. Yes, correct. Yeah. So it was winning in that. Uh, the Triple E Grand Prix it won uh, one of the last races before World War II broke out. Uh, it also won on its first race back after World War II, the 1946 Nice Grand Prix. Nice. I don't think many... Uh, yeah, very nice. <laughs> um, I don't think many cars, race cars, can claim to have won seven years apart from each other in the same race series. Um, so... I mean, I can think of one, but that's a couple of decades on from now. <laughs> All right, fair enough. We'll, we'll get... Oh, which one? No, don't spoil it. Porsche. Porsche. Oh, that Porsche. I think I, I think I know which one it is. Yeah, I know that one. No, okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, however, those were furiously developed. This car was pretty much as it was in 1939 <laughs> with no developments in it. So that's my argument for that. Um, not only was it reintroduced into Grand Prix racing in the mid 40s it also won in several other categories, hill climb racing um, Tara Florio again and because Americans are American they decided to bend the four cylinder one and a half litre in it, stick an eight cylinder in it and enter it into indie cars as well and it won it raced and won in 1940 and 1941 in indie cars as well um, very versatile car could have different engines put in it Almost anyone could obtain one, and it meant that it was just a successful car in anything that it um, entered. Even when F1 re-began in 1950-1951, okay, it was very hard to beat Alfa Romeos because they were 4.5-litre supercharged things. But the fact that they were still competing against Ferrari and Alfa Romeo in what was a 12-, 13-year-old car is still something to be admired. Actually, the only thing which stopped it from continuing into 1952 was the Formula 2 regulations, oh, which bias. meant that the car was too heavy. Yes, it was just too heavy for uh, the Formula 2 car um, specs, but it's still carried on racing in the hill climbs. I think it, last, it won its last race in 1956. This is a car which was driven from big names from Tatio Nuvolari, Louis Chiron, all the way to Prince Beira, Louis, uh, Luigi uh, Villaresi, uh, Farina, Ascari, and one Manuel Fangio. There's someone called So that's Prince about Beer. a 20-year period of big names. Say again. There's someone called Prince Beer. Era. Prince oh. Beer. Yeah, but Prince Beer. Beer. He was actually a member of the Tyrol family. He oh. was actually a prince. Oh, right. Different spelling. Okay. He was. He was, yeah, it wasn't big... Thailand back there. It was called something else. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, beer is Italian for beer. Yeah, no, I give yeah. you that. <laughs> um, the car actually made its last entry in 1957 wow. in the Indy 500, where unsurprisingly, by this point, <laughs> it got fresh. <laughs> it failed to qualify because it was it was 20 years old. It failed to qualify. However, it was still scoring points in F1 in 1952. That's not bad for a 16-year-old car, I'd say. But, uh, that's why, yeah, that's why it was I just would... a versatile car. The, the, the fact 
technologically, I don't think it was a great car. It was an accessible car. It was something which got people going again. And whenever you think of the 1940s and the fact that there was nothing for people to do, Maserati basically kick-started the opportunity for people to go racing again. And And so for that... They went bankrupt 30 years later. You can't judge them for something which happened 30 years later against something which has happened back yeah, but then. This, this is that's almost, that's, almost, that's almost like me turning around now and saying that Queen Victoria is a bit useless. She hasn't done much for the last century. Well, that's because she's been dead since 1901. How can I judge a dead person? Well, I don't know. You said that's what you're also, doing right there now, Sean. You said Mussolini yeah. would be good. I Maserati in saying... I don't think there's a single Italian car company that hasn't gone bankrupt at least once. <laughs> exactly. And the fact that Maserati has gone bankrupt three times and has still come back from the dead means they are invincible. Three, three times. Much that, like Alfa Romeo. Three times exactly. that they've said they've admitted. <laughs> I have I very much expected to go bankrupt before. Yeah, I have probably. just found one notable race which is a nice little connection to monty as well that the uh that the 4cl raced in it yeah. didn't do very well it dnf'd after two laps <laughs> after a mm. piston came through the top of the engine oh, nice mm. but it take it took <laughs> part in the 1947 jersey road race oh yes yeah. it did Yes, it did. And um, another fun fact, so you guys. It was presumably the first racing car anyone on Jersey had ever seen. <laughs> um... Well, certainly the first one you saw, because you were at that race when you wanted. <laughs> I, I wasn't. However, however, my gr- fun fact for you guys, my granddad was. My granddad, oh, believe oh, cool. it or not, was a marshal for these Jersey Road races. He was 10 years old and he was allowed to be a marshal because, you know, child labour was a thing back then. Um, sure. But uh, Very the Jersey Road picked? race was the first ever time a Ferrari Grand Prix car ever won uh, a Formula One race. Nice. That is your fun fact. That is your fun fact. It was a non-championship event, obviously. But the Jersey Road race used to be um, part of the kind of F1 calendar until I think it was like 1952, but because um, you, you know what it was like back then, only eight of the races were considered championship races, but they were doing what 60 races a year or something like that. So yeah, yeah the, the, the rest r- were just kind of for honour, for fun, and for money. Exactly, yeah. But uh, Peter Whitehead <laughs> was uh, actually the first ever person to win in a Ferrari Formula One car. <laughs> That's your. Ta-da. There's your real time. Thank you very much for that, but nope, that's uh, just about everything I've got to talk about with regards to the Maserati. I think it's a fantastic car. Thank you. It, it's a. It's a. That's why I picked think it. Of, <laughs> when you think of like the the pre in inverted commas post immediate post war F1 cars, that's kind of the one you think of. I think, isn't it? That's the one you yeah. see the posters of, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, a car you don't necessarily see posters of, Alice Walker. Well, I think you did at the time, but yeah. So we've had single-seaters, we've had some of the early Formula cars, we've had beautiful sports cars, and I've gone for an American muscle car. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, is... Ferrari, sorry, Italy have definitely won this decade in race cars. Yes, although I thought this would be an interesting one to go for, because it's a series that gets mocked a lot but i think does deserve a bit of respect so this is right towards the end of the decade 
1948, we had the founding of the National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing. Uh, oh, God. The bootleg <laughs> racing Grand Prix. Yeah, so everyone will better recognise by the short version of the name, NASCAR. Nas the only then, series where no driver in 80 years has ever been able to turn right. <laughs> they ah, have. No, that's yeah, not strictly true. <laughs> yeah, in 1949, we had the inaugural season of what was then called the NASCAR Strictly Stock Series. This is going on to this day and is currently... Who's sponsoring it now? I think it's the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup yeah. Series. It's the top division of NASCAR. Cool. And the car I have for us this month is its first ever winner, the Oldsmobile Rocket 88. Oh, uh, yes. Wow. Why was it 88? <coughs> Why not? Because that, that was its top speed. <laughs> uh, I think the 88 was a model name that Oldsmobile carried through to 1999, actually. Oh, God. Which... And the Rocket, basically, the name of the engine that it had in it. It had the Rocket. Yeah, so motor. the Rocket was a 5-litre V8 overhead valve, which, in fairness, wasn't as outdated then as it is now. Because they still use much of the same engine architecture. <laughs> Capable of 135 horsepower. Wow. I 135 horsepower out of a 5-litre engine. <laughs> I, I, I really hope it's got like 700 newton metres of torque. No, it's this. Well, to it's compensate for that and top RPM of 3,000 revs. In fairness, big American V8s have always been a little bit lazy. Also, we're comparing... So the NASCAR Strictly Stock Division was designed, believe it or not, compared to their modern versions, to rein in some of the sillier things people in the modified divisions were doing. Mm. So it wasn't a highly tuned race engine. Yeah, to be fair, it, NASCAR it was, was as close as you could get at the time to taking a car out of the showroom. Covering the headlights over and putting it on an oval. But to be fair, though, the yeah, whole which I thought was a really good concept. Who who needs roll hoops anyway? <laughs> well, not Maserati. I think they did have them around the time that they were just single hoops, and they gradually got better roll cages as cars got faster. It it might be worth pointing out actually that the circuits used for the first season. All of them were less than a mile in length, bar one. All of them, I think, were dirt ovals, mm -hmm. bar one. And the one exception is a 4.15-mile circuit along Daytona Beach. <laughs> no, I don't mean Daytona Speedway. I mean the road alongside Daytona Beach and yep. Daytona Beach itself. Yep, which to this day I think is still Ooh. my favourite circuit, and I wish I could get to drive it. Yes, unfortunately the house is worth it down there are worth a lot these days and people would shout at you. Does that mean it was especially if you took a modern NASCAR? Rich people have never stopped me before. I came from Jersey. Do they not um, know who I am? I'm James John Montgomery the third motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do have a point there, Cree. I mean Rally Cross wasn't really invented for another twenty twenty five years, I think. NASCAR no, but it's a, a combination of a tarmac and a dirt oval. It's not dirt, mate. Yeah. That must be the first rally cross. Well, well, it's, it's a Dakar, if anything. I'll say, the first wasn't. actual rally cross was invented by the BBC. Mm. So. I, I would like yeah, to yeah. add that Jersey 
has actually been doing sand racing since the 1930s. So Daytona has nothing on our history. Just no one knows about us. No, no, because there was um, the, the the main start line stretch where the Jersey Grand Prix used to be. That was the start line for the sand racing. Then they would all literally go down the ramp onto the beach and then go and do a mile along the beach, then go back up the other side and go back onto the tarmac. Was that it was just, great. Was there, that... Was a, there was literally a section of road where um, there's a cobblestone ramp of about one by seven gradient, which all the cars had to race up to was go back into the main because... road. The fact that if they started on the beach, they'd all dig in. It'd be a really boring race. Possibly. The sand's <laughs> always wet here because we get a high tide um, every six hours and or something And now like with the weather. So, yeah. <laughs> Ow. Back to, back to American race cars. Yes. So, the Oldsmobile not only won the first season in the hands of Red Byron, but was pretty dominant in it. So, Red Byron only got two wins. Admittedly, much like Grand Prix at the time, there was only eight races in the first season. Was an improvement over the first season, which pretty much had Daytona Beach. But Oldsmobile took five of the eight wins during that season. That's quite dominant. It's pretty dominant, really, then. Yeah, the others were two wins for Lincoln and one win for Plymouth. Aren't they all over? But so, now? yeah, the Oldsmobile Rocket 88. What was that? Sorry, Sean? I said, aren't, they, aren't all three of those owned by Ford now? No, Oldsmobile is a General Motors uh, brand. Lincoln and... Plymouth. And Lincoln is Ford. Plymouth is part of Chrysler, which is now part of yep. Fiat. Uh, yep. And is probably about as dead as a dodo at this point. <laughs> yes. However, here's a fun fact. Did you know that Alfa Romeo used NASCAR back in the 60s? I actually didn't, but it doesn't surprise me. The early days of NASCAR were... Bootleggers. Everyone had a try in it, according to this. Toyota used to be in it. I mean, they're in it again now, but they used to be in it back then. Volkswagen used to do it with the Beetle. Porsche did it with the 356. <laughs> and there used to be a manufacturer called Willys. <laughs> what, <Jeep>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm no, such no, a child. Jeep. I'm so sorry, everyone. Just, just, I'm just, not just, sorry. That's just Jeep. But yeah, that... This was the idea of the NASCAR Strictly Stock division, was that they were stock cars. Hence yes, why we now have stock car, car racing. Even though they're, to quote Days of Thunder, there ain't anything stock about a stock car. Absolutely. <laughs> and that was 30 years ago. Actually 40 now. I don't know, their badges might be the same. Yeah. Oh, because they'll be no, they're, they're stickers. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, stickers are printed on. Especially at the moment. Painted on. Yeah, imagine doing an Aston Martin uh, paint. Yeah. That'd be hilarious. No, Are you no. racing a so stock, do an Aston Martin around a, in a stock car event? Are you mad? Right, I would do, do it. it. I'm do, do that. <laughs> I'm sure Aston Martin would do it before they got bought by the Canadians. I don't know. That might make it more likely to happen. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> oh, God, no. Imagine like a, like a, a DB11 NASCAR. That could happen. Uh, God, that could actually no. happen. I mean, it, well, look, it, it happened to the Toyota Supra. But... Stop it. <laughs> These were the days when the NASCAR actually did look like the road car. It looks like a mafia car. Mostly because it was. It looks like a proper mafia car. I think it's cool. Yeah, and it did wonders for Oldsmobile's image at the time because they weren't seen as a very exciting brand through the 40s. 
I mean, I don't think the name Oldsmobile particularly helped <laughs> anything, but... No. But I'm so... actually really amazed to see how long this company lasted. Until 2004. Yes, and I think they were even in NASCAR until the 80s, although they never... I don't think they ever really attained the same success they did in the early days. It very much, as it went on, it became the Ford versus Chevrolet versus Dodge show. Well, yeah. Oldsmobile went, were in IndyCar for a long time, in the 90s, I think. Apparently, well, Oldsmobile were in NASCAR until 1994. But... There go. I'm guessing probably still with the 88. Yep, <laughs> yep, correct. Uh, <laughs> it was called the Delta 88 by then. Uh, however, they only ever had three wins, apparently, in NASCAR. In the whole of its history, which is a bit oh. depressing, but uh, but they had one cup win, which is a big one, I guess. But uh, yeah, only three wins in total. So someone must have been very consistent and came second all the time. <laughs> yeah, so I'm money. guessing that cup win was the 1949 one, wasn't it? Must have been. When no one else was competing. <laughs> yep, so there we have it. The first ever winner of NASCAR and the only time this company managed to win the championship. Isn't that just what, what Alfa Romeo would do? Like, not very long later in F1. Or was it last year? Hang on. Pretty much. Really much. Hang on, who won the 50s? I can't, the 90s, I can't remember. Was it last uh, year or Alfa Romeo won the first ever F1 World Championship. Right. So yeah, that's the other thing. We have a championship that outdates F1. We do. Yeah. It does, yeah. And they've been in continuous operation to this very day. And there we go. My time is up. <laughs> You've done well. <laughs> I never thought we'd be finishing off the show with a positive note on NASCAR. Indeed. Yeah, and I better go I shave was my hair. Just about to try and look up. I think there should be a NASCAR race this very weekend. So the series that I was just yabbering on about is running. Uh, no, next weekend, yeah, I, I think. Was, I was, yes, this weekend. Yeah, we'll Texas weekend. Motor Speedway. Okay, so yeah, there we go. Like the Texas. series that the Oldsmobile 88 kicked off in victorious fashion. You can go watch this weekend. Cool. And, in, and that race is the... Are you ready for this? I know you like an American race name, Sean. I do. This is the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500. Presented from by... Texas Motor Speedway. I don't, I don't know who's, I don't know who's presented <laughs> that's, by, that's, 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 that's what they always do it. They do it, blah, 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 presented by Bud Light or something. Well, yeah, that's probably it. I'm just looking at my... Yeah. So, okay, boys, so we've had, we've had Italians basically ripping through Europe and a big American winning one race. So this was, this was a good... Oh, a good hang on, well, hang on. no, winning five out of eight, in fairness. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, well, I can't do very well at Le Mans. So much so they named it after the race <laughs> anyway that's going to do it for this normally it tends to be the other way around it does doesn't it um, <laughs> what what do you mean it tends to be the other way around what a track names itself after a car no that's true no no no, no I'm it thinking is. yeah no ignore me yes. <laughs> Sam I also wouldn't necessarily give that as a badge of honour you do know there was a Buick Le Mans yeah. Most oh, yes. Jack, sorry. That's true. <laughs> yeah, right. which, true. which was not an elegant sports car. That's going to do it oh. for this episode of Stable Automotive's Cars of the Decade. Uh, the next episode will be the 1940s road cars, which um, 
as we've might have should said, be interesting. Might, I was gonna say we've sort of pointed here. They're they're not too dissimilar to the race cars still, but uh, that will change. Don't you worry. Um, thank you very much to. No, my choice is quite different. Yeah, I've just I've just well. seen I've just seen your choices actually. Yeah, they are quite different. Um, my mine's also very different. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, that's thank you very much to Monty, Chris, and Sam, and the Ghost of Al for joining me. Ooh. Pleasure was all yours, sir. Yeah, I've already done that joke, mate. So you, you've, you've uh, yeah, a bit late to the party. He was still late to the party, time. late to the jokes. This is kind of what happens late when you're late. To... Yeah, so don't be late. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. That's gonna do. It. In fairness, it wasn't until I woke up that I saw you buggers had moved the recording time. We didn't move the recording. I time. don't think it was moved. I saw last night when I went to sleep that it said 10 a.m. We're going to take well, the last time I saw it was 11. We're well, that's take... your fault. Anyway. Going to... Stop it. We're going to... <laughs> that's that's going to do it. Uh, thank you very much for listening um, for our rants and ravings and Monty. Um, so uh, take care and goodbye. Alfie to Zane. You definitely Ciao. said 10 o'clock. <laughs>